Um, today is uh, Thursday, February 4th, uh, 2016. This is the Fiction Old and New Book Group, and tonight we're discussing um, Angelina Marabella's debut novel, The Sweetheart. Um, before I tell you about the Angelina Marabello, um, last month we discovered we discussed Together Tea, and after the discussion, I actually wrote to the author, um, Marjan Kamali, and I asked her questions, and I also sent her a link to our book group discussion, which she listened to, and she wrote the group a really lovely note, so I thought I would just read it to everybody, because I thought you'd all like to hear it. Um, so she wrote, thank you so much for sending me the link to your book group's discussion of Together Tea. It moved me very much to listen to it. I found your discussion to be riveting and thorough. Your group covered so much ground from the meaning of being on the hyphen to the tradition of taruf to the matchmaking in Iran. One of my favorite quotes was from one of your participants was, she makes you think a little bit about what we really know about Iran. I'm glad that I was able to do that, especially as Iran continues to be in the headlines these days. And yes, the pistachios, the pomegranates, the sour cherry jam. I'm glad your participants liked all the food. And this is to me because I, I was wondering, I hope your sister-in-law cleared up the mystery spice for you to think it's turmeric. Sam sure does show us that you don't have to be in your 20s to be flattered by flirtation, as one of your participants so smartly noted. And yes, Dario was very attracted to Sam. Also, a very true point said by one of your participants was she had a very traditional wedding, but not a traditional marriage. Yes. As for the question whether or not uh, Bita is a cousin or just a friend, she is a friend, Mina's classmate from school. I love that you discussed the scene in the coffee shop where Parviz barges in on Sam and Daria because when I was writing that book, that was one of my favorite scenes. I found the entire discussion to be detailed and thoughtful. As an author, it made my heart sing. I do not know Erin Jones, but I'm glad that the members of the book group liked her narration. I have only heard the audio version put out by HarperCollins. I feel honored to have been introduced to this community um, thank you for reading Together Tea, and thank you for allowing me to hear the conversation. I'm hard at work on the next novel, and I hope to share that with you one day, too. And she signs it, All Best, Marjan. So now we'll move on to tonight's book. Um, um, so tonight, as I mentioned, we're discussing Angelina Marabella's debut novel, The Sweetheart. And here's a little information about the author. Um, in 2003, Angelina Marabella graduated from Florida State University with her master's in creative writing. Her work has appeared in the Southern Review, the Mid-American Review, and the Greensboro Review. The Sweetheart is her first novel. Of this novel, Library Journal said, an engrossing portrait of the little-known world of female wrestling with questions about the nature of stardom and showing love. Angelina Mirabella lives in Ithaca, New York, with her husband and two children. Um, so why don't we see what everybody thought of the book? And if you'd like, you can tell us what did you think about the world of female wrestling in the 1950s that was portrayed in this novel. And another thing that I just wondered when I was reading the book myself, which I thought might be interesting to discuss, is have you ever you know, tried an unconventional 
pursuit or a hobby or something that, you know, that was a little out of the mainstream. So I'm going to release the key and we'll see what everybody thought of this book. My thoughts were a little bit mixed. I, you don't often read uh, a novel written in the second person like that. And being written like that was uh, a little bit unsettling. Uh, but I, I remember watching wrestling every Saturday night was when I was a kid. We'd come out there, and uh, on TV we have friends come over because we had a TV and others didn't, and uh, we'd watch a wrestling. And occasionally there would be the women wrestling. Well, uh, unfortunately, I spent too much time reading about Caesar Chavez uh, and. Uh, I'm still two and a half hours from finishing, but but I but I'm enjoying the book. I mean, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, I I grew up in the South in Jackson, Mississippi, and I, I watched a lot of uh, uh, of male were wrestling uh, growing up, and uh, uh, I haven't watched it since uh, since I was a kid. But uh, uh, I found the the, the female interesting uh, female wrestling interesting because uh, apparently. They were able to do some stuff that the guys couldn't do because I mean they were like actually like kicking each other and 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 hitting each other with their fists and stuff. It sounded like it sounded like they didn't really have a lot of rules that uh, that, that I remember. And uh, so yeah, and and I agree with Ladon. Uh, I thought it was interesting the way the the book was written and and the uh, well second person, third person. It's, it seems to me she's kind of. The uh, the main character's telling the story, and she's referring to herself in in uh, in, in third person. It seems like, but uh, I, I thought that was kind of that was kind of different. But uh, I, I'm enjoying the story. Like I said, I, I don't know how it's going to end, and don't don't worry about spoilers and stuff. I I, I don't care. But uh, uh, but yeah, it, it it's an interesting story. I agree that it did seem odd how she wrote this story and and she was telling it it was as if she was telling it about someone else but it made sense to me when i realized that in the beginning of the book she said to um is the girl's name cynthia the girl who she ended up calling her sister her next door neighbor she said before she went for her walk i'm going to look for gwen davies and so I think that kind of explains why it was written the way that it was. I really liked this book. I thought it was um, a little sad in that in the 1950s, women's um, opportunities were very limited. And I think that's why uh, the main character, um, Gwen, um, became a, a female wrestler because she needed to get away from her father. She needed to break out of that routine where she was almost acting as his wife in that she was his, his caregiver. He came home and he was happy to have his meal and then just sit on, on the couch in front of the TV. And, and I'm really uh, eager to get into this book further because uh, I'd like to talk about that scene where she comes home for the first time and she finds him. And it sounds like he's nearly at death's door. He's not eating. He's lost his job. He's wheezing when they run. And I really thought that the next time we heard about her father, he was going to be dead. I, I don't know how he made that complete turnaround because he fell in love or 
marriage of convenience, whatever it was. I think he really cared for Miss Riley. And I also want to mention um, just two other things that I noticed, and I wondered if they were mistakes by the author as far as time, or maybe it was just pronunciation by Laura Giannarelli. There are times when she often referred to uh, Pat as Ms. Riley. She didn't say Mrs. and she didn't say Miss. It was Ms. And certainly the term Ms. was not used in the 50s. I remember when that came into be in the in the mid 60s. And the other thing I noticed um, is that when she gave an address, she gave a zip code as opposed to a zone number. And it, if I remember correctly zip codes did not come into play until um, until I was in grammar school, which would have been the 60s and early 70s. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Donna, because I noticed the zip code, too, and I even rewound and played it again. And not only did she have the five-digit zip code, she had the four-digit extension, which is certainly more recent. Um, and I agree with you guys that the second-person writing style I found a little jarring, um, it's interesting, Alan, that he, I didn't realize it was her talking to her about herself until the end. So evidently I missed something at the beginning that you picked up. And after I finished the book, I did have to go back and read the first prologue or whatever it was again because it was much less confusing after you were done with the book than it was um, when I first read it. I read that first, uh, uh, the, the prologue, in, in the middle of the book when she mentioned about the, the first time they referred to the turn-up that uh, her father wrote to her and said the baby's name is, is Harold, but we call him turn-up. And because I was wondering who her sister was because it was just she and her father and the beginning mentioned her sister. And so uh, after, you know, after hearing that part about the baby having been born, I, I went back to the prologue, and that's when I found out that she and or realized that she and Cynthia had come to adopt each other. Um, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like Gwen was ever married, so this happened after Cynthia's divorce. Um, if Gwen was married, the the author never referred to that. She didn't tell us what happened to um, Gwen's life in between the time that she left wrestling and left her boyfriend, and the time sixty years later that she got that invitation from Mimi. I was a little confused about that. Uh, you were doing this and you were doing that and you were thinking this and you, and then you said that. I I was wondering uh, how does this person telling the story know everything that she did? Was she was that person there? So I should have caught up on the idea that she was talking about herself but I just didn't. I was confused with that too. It took me a while to, to get, I did finally get it. Um I agree with everyone else who's saying that the second-person writing was rather jarring. I'm not sure about Ms. Um, I mean, that's just really just a slurred Miss, and I'm not certain. I believe this was North Carolina, and I, I don't I don't know what they used there then. Um, but I did find the book. Uh, gave me more than I ever thought I wanted to know about wrestling, especially female wrestling. Um, it uh, a good good expose of jealousy and and of uh, stardom and how how you scrabble 
to get where you want to go. And on the whole, it was a very good book. Well, she started out, she lived in uh, Pennsylvania. I think it was Pittsburgh. So that's where it started. And then when she had her training, she went down to Florida. And then, of course, they they seemed to go all around the South. Um, One of the interesting things that wasn't brought up too much in the book, but occasionally there were some mentions about the changing, uh, you know, racial climate of the times, which made sense because this was in the 50s going into the 60s, like when they had their championship match in Memphis, all the African-American people had to sit up in the very highest level. And at the end of the book, um, Joe signed his first African-American wrestler. So I thought that was interesting. I wasn't sure if it needed to be in the book because I thought it was more a book about the role of men and women in the 1950s. Like, for example, you saw you know, the way that, that men thought of women, like when and then there sometimes there were some shifts, like when Franz lost his job, he started babysitting for his next door neighbor's uh, grand grandson, and you know that was a different kind of a role for a man. And also when um, uh, Mimi, her married boyfriend Johnny's wife, left him. All of a sudden, he shows up with the baby, and he wants Mimi, who is not even related to this child, to take care of the child. So, um, and also just the way that Leone, you know, looked to her father for guidance about what to do. You know, she wasn't really deciding her her thing. If her father told her she couldn't go to Florida, she wasn't going to go to Florida. So you saw, you know, very much how the the relationships of the of men and women in the 1950s were. Um, it didn't bother me about the second person, whatever the, the thing is. I just kind of was more into, like, the atmosphere of the story and the characters and the relationships. So I guess I wasn't as, you know, caught up in, into that into that way. Uh, yeah, she, she, she grew up in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. And uh, a great catch on the zip codes. I, I didn't catch that I'm usually... Uh, attuned to stuff like that, but it it, it flew right past me, and I, and I didn't notice. I think I had the speed maybe set up a little fast. I, di- I didn't catch the the use of the Miz because yeah, that I didn't think that that came around until like the I didn't even think that was as early as the sixties. I thought that came around in the seventies, but uh, uh, but uh, yeah, that uh, great great catch on, on on that stuff. I was shocked uh, when when those pictures were taken, and I I actually. Um, skipped maybe about five minutes when they went into the description of of the type of pictures that were taken and um it just was you know, i i wasn't offended by it but it, I, it just wasn't something that i i cared to read about in in detail and you know they she didn't make a big deal about it they just said that it happened and it was a little un- unfortunate in a way because it was right after she sent her father that money that he seemed to have it all together all of a sudden with his next door neighbor and um, I, I think another th- thing that interested me was we we don't I believe that Leone was only about 17 or 18 years old and I think it was Joe who said that she needed her father's uh, permission so she probably needed a signature because she was so young and I think that accounted for some of her actions, a lot of her actions were very immature. She went back on her, I think she was a s- sweet girl to begin with, um, you know, good-hearted, but she hadn't, um, 
she didn't really know about loyalty and and things like that, which I guess come with maturity. That zip code thing passed me right by. I sure didn't see that, and I didn't hear everybody called Miss, but okay, I don't listen. Maybe that careful sometimes. But I was uh, interested in how little money she made. She had to pay her own way, her own transportation and everything, and she didn't seem to have any money left over uh, after doing all those ballots and she couldn't send her father any money at all because she didn't have anything and I thought all along I was thinking boy Joe must really be taking advantage of these women and really running a scam on them almost but when she got into big time she did make more money I think well I'm sorry Donna that you that you found it you know, shocking, I guess, about the pictures. Um, I, I really didn't find it shocking. I, I, I thought, you know, exactly what Ladon was saying, that, that he was taking like 40% commission right off the top. And eventually you knew that she was going to need to do something to make money. Um, so it wasn't really a big surprise to me. Um, I, I guess I was surprised that he didn't try to take advantage of her um, I forgot his first name. I think it was Dave Henderson. That was the thing that I, I thought, you know, besides taking pictures, he might try to take advantage of her as well. And I'm glad that, that the story didn't didn't go into that direction. But I think there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on years ago. I think sometimes when people think about, like, the 40s and the 50s, they think, like, nothing was going on. I think a lot of things were going on. It just wasn't talked about the way that our society is um, and she was she really had very very little money so it wasn't a big surprise that when she needed money to me at least it wasn't a surprise and she didn't want to ask anybody she didn't want to ask uh, Sam for money and she didn't want to ask Mimi for money um, I really liked Mimi I don't know how the rest of you felt I thought she was a really interesting character um, you know she was she was um, very independent and she knew who she was and she really, you know, wanted to do things in, in even though this was like, this was a, a performance more than a sport, she wanted to do things, you know, appropriately. And I think that she, she was somebody who Leone really learned from in the story. Um, so I thought she was, she was a really interesting character. Um, I didn't really particularly like her relationship with Sam. So maybe, you know, you'll tell us what you thought about her relationship with Mimi and, and Sam. If, if you'd like. Well, first of all, in 19, well, Kennedy raised the minimum wage from a dollar an hour. I mean, money was was really inflation has taken over. Um, but he Joe kept sixty um, percent and theoretically gave the girls forty percent, but he gave gave. Um, Mimi, another 20% for training uh, Gwen. So Gwen was getting 20% of the checks. Uh, yeah, I liked Mimi's character, too. Uh, what, what I was going to comment about was maybe I missed something, but the, the scene where, where uh, David took those pictures of her, it, it really didn't go into any kind of details and stuff. I mean, it, it alluded to... Uh, I guess the secretary that was there—I can't remember her name—that was, that was assistant, 
and you know, they were getting some stuff out of out of a trunk and stuff, but it, it, it didn't really go into any kind of detail unless I missed it because I just got to the scene now. You know, like I said, I'm two and a half hours from finishing where she supposedly burns the pictures. David's just died, and uh, but uh, uh, unless I miss something, I thought I thought that was handled with with pretty good. With it didn't go into any kind. Of, it didn't have any explicit descriptions of much of anything that 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 I recall. So. Uh, yeah, I thought that was handled rather well. It may have been. I just thought that maybe it wouldn't be. So I, I just skipped a little bit there. Not not a big deal. I'm curious to know, and it didn't say anywhere in the book as far as I can remember, how old Mimi was. I liked her character also. Of course, in the beginning, she was a, a scary character because she was known as the bear. And the twin sisters and the other wrestlers, they were all afraid of her. And she came on like she wanted people to be afraid of her. But then you found out that her role was was uh, that of, of a trainer. And I would have been curious to know what the age difference was because she certainly seemed to be a lot more mature than Leone maybe because she lived on her own longer um, Leone was coming directly from her father's house where she had been pretty sheltered out into the world um, and so you know that, that accounted for the difference too I guess I didn't actually read the whole book uh, the only the scene I got to was um when she was sleeping in the car, and a little bit further than that, but not much. Um, here's my deal. I ended up reading it, what I did read in Braille, because <clears throat> I tried to read with Laura Generelli. Number one, let me put this out there. I absolutely love Laura Generelli. She is great. But this book really wasn't her style. At least I didn't feel like it was, because... I don't know. I guess I just see Laura generally narrating Little House in the Prairie books and, and stuff like that. And she's a great narrator, but not for this book. Not not in my opinion. So I just couldn't read her. And so I ended up reading it in Braille. What I did read, I did like. Um, and actually, I don't remember who said this. I almost skipped the picture part because I thought it was going to be a little more indecent if you will but it really wasn't i was surprised i said okay i'm glad i didn't skip that it's okay um but yeah i know i was i was really thinking of skipping that part um but the part you know the parts of the book that i did read i did like um i just couldn't finish it because of work anyway there you go yeah i agree the um i don't donna you didn't miss anything by skipping that but it did I was kind of dreading, like Michelle said, that he, he was possibly going to be a rape scene or something like that. And I was dreading that, too. And it, it luckily didn't turn into that. Um, I liked Mimi a lot, too, like you guys said. I thought it was interesting that the way the author wrote this book, at least for me at the beginning, I really liked Leone a lot. And I didn't like Mimi so much at first. She seemed sort of standoffish and rude. But then by the end of the book, I liked Mimi a lot, and I didn't like Gwen at all. She seemed so immature, and, and she kind of cheated in their big fight and stuff like this, and I ended up not liking her much at all by the end of the book. 
Well, I really liked all the details of what it was like to be in this world of female wrestling. Um, I was not a fan of wrestling. I mean, I know who Hulk Hogan is and and all the things like from the 1980s, but I never watched it. I was never intrigued by it at all. And I really liked how she explained what this world was. Um, you know, that there's a heel, that there... I uh, wasn't upset about the picture taking at all I think uh, when he described it he said she says you uh, lay down and you moved your leg this way or that that was it but uh, I was interested in uh, how the pictures could ruin her and thinking today that might make uh, a celebrity a little uncomfortable but I don't think it would ruin anybody some of the actresses we have you might even see self-made pictures on the internet who knows you know I have to read it again but I thought that there were like bustiers and kind of S&M sort of clothes that, that she had to wear and also the picture was taken with another woman and they were both shown in compromising positions so I can see in the 1950s that this could be something that was you know not exactly uh, you know, something that you'd want to have out there. And the thing about female wrestling, and they said in the book, is that some states, which I didn't know, did not allow female wrestling because they saw female wrestling as, you know, kind of too sexy and and not so much as sport. I mean, she wore a costume that was a bathing suit, and they had a, you know, trying to strap her in and put on tape and things like that so that things didn't move around and, and be exposed. Um, and when she applied for this, she had to fill out. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, applying for a job today where you have to fill out information like, do you have a boyfriend? Do you know how to cook? What's your personal hygiene? How tall are you? How much do you weigh? I mean, I, I wouldn't be happy if I went on a job interview. People ask me those kind of questions. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of, like, athletes, like male athletes, um, baseball players, because I'm the most familiar with baseball. When they go on the road, you know, they can't just wear their casual clothes. When they get off the plane, they're all wearing suits. They want them to look, have a certain image. And here, the women had to dress in a feminine way. They had to watch their behavior, you know. So they had a real, you know, culture that they that they had to go along with. And I found all that really intriguing. And I also liked the psychology of it. I liked, I never, I, like I said, I don't know anything about wrestling, but the fact that there's a heel and there's a face, and the crowd goes for the face. And Leone, at one point, wanted to look like Marilyn Monroe, have that sort of image so that the crowd would, would be with her. And Mimi was the heel. She was the scapegoat. And everything was black and white and absolute. So the crowd, you know, absolutely liked the good character. They absolutely didn't like the bad character. And it's really like theater. And I honestly never thought of wrestling because I, I never thought of wrestling this way. So all these kind of details, to me, were absolutely fascinating. And I thought she did a great job of introducing somebody like myself who knew nothing about this this kind of uh, activity to this world yeah uh, and that's one thing I, I enjoyed about it about it too it's the, the fact that that uh, so much of the entertainment world is I mean it's all a lot of it's staged and stuff and, and you know obviously the, the the wrestling matches were staged and there was always talk about that too when when I watched it as a kid about how it was staged, 
So uh, uh, one thing I thought was interesting, that scene where they did I've Got a Secret, and I, and I never realized that that, that, that was probably staged, too, because apparently they had rehearsed the whole thing with, with the, the little the scene with uh, the Henry Morgan guy and her where where they were where they did the little uh, uh, wrestling you know bit a- after the show which uh, uh, it, it, I think we we might all be surprised uh, to find out how much a lot of this this stuff is staged and uh, I, I've heard for years that a lot of a lot of NFL football is is staged I don't know if I if I I'm totally convinced of that but uh, sometimes the uh, the, the results seem like they're 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 more than a little bit coincidental the way the the results turn out. So uh, I, I wonder, but uh, yeah, and, and photos, yeah, f- f- uh, celebrity photos nowadays. I mean, it's night and day between how it was in the '50s versus how it is now. Yeah, you got people taking, getting their phones out and taking pictures of their their private parts and sending them all over the place. I can't believe what things have come to. I was quite impressed by uh, Mimi's generosity in, um, well, now that I'm thinking about it, she did say that she had planned to do something with the photos, but then when um, Leone greeted her in a friendly manner in the lobby, she changed her mind. Um, but that, that just shows that uh, Mimi really, uh, I think she was a nicer person. I, I'm with Sherry in that I... I started not to like Gwen very much as as the book progressed. But I have a question. What did Lacey do that was so terrible? I mean, I know she left her husband and her son, but it seems that there was something that they didn't want the wrestling world to find out about. Maybe that was it because that would have been unacceptable in the 50s for a woman to do that and to have people know about it. Was that what she did, uh, that was trying to be kept uh, a secret because I, I'm not aware of anything else. I, I may have missed something. I, of course, didn't like Mimi in the beginning, and I liked Gwen. Um, but I think what made me like her was two things. And, of course, again, I didn't read the whole book, but what made me like her was two things. Number one, when she... This is going to sound weird. When she broke... Uh, her her jaw, and then she came in and she came into a room, gave her whiskey, gave her eyes, and danced around. It made her more human. And then, of course, there was when her and Johnny and uh, Gwen and Howard were, I think Sam were traveling together, and of course that made her more human too, because you know you you would think just this girl to be just a plain not nice person and so to me those parts made her more human if I remember correctly and I might not I think that Lacey did something in the ring that she was not supposed to do and injured the other uh, wrestler but um, it was it was big and bad yeah I didn't remember that I was thinking that she just quit because she got married but um, you're probably right Mickey I just am not remembering that I was wondering if you guys thought that uh, Gwen breaking up with Sam was a good idea, because I thought that was a good idea. I don't think she would have been happy in the housewife role. And I I really liked Sam, and I hope he found somebody better than I thought Gwen was. But I was wondering if you thought that 
part of her decision to leave him was based on what she was observing with Lacey and Johnny and that marriage maybe wasn't always what it was cut out to be. You know, I, I like Leone. Um, I thought, you know, first of all, she was really young. I mean, when, when she started out, she was like 17 years old. She just had finished high school. She was working in a diner. Um, and she was very self-conscious about her body, if you remember. She was really tall. She was five foot eleven, And she had like a very kind of a developed body, even though she was very athletic. And probably Johnny was like her first boyfriend. So, I mean, I wasn't really surprised that they ended up dating and and had a nice relationship. But it was really clear that Johnny had a really set image about how he liked Leonie to be. And there was a scene where they were in a restaurant and this waiter came over and she was trying out her new persona as gorgeous Gwen and she kissed the menu or the magazine or something with lipstick and she signed her name and Johnny really didn't like her when she put on this kind of sexy persona he wanted her to be you know it's kind of like the story of Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe he married Marilyn Monroe and then he wanted her to just be a housewife at home that's what it kind of reminded me of you don't marry somebody who wants to go out and find out who they are and try out this kind of persona and then expect them to be somebody else so I wasn't really surprised I liked at the very end of the story where we found out that she was independent that she did become a DJ at this all female uh, radio station and you know she really found found her way in in the world um, I thought it was interesting also in the beginning where Leone said that she felt her best chance for the future was to try female wrestling and I, I was thinking about you know what were her options in the beginning of the story you know was this really her best chance for a future yeah I think I alluded to that also that it just showed me how few opportunities or how lim- the limited opportunities that females were afforded in the 50s uh, I think it was a, a good thing that she broke up with Sam because I really think she would have been very restless married to him the life that he wanted everyone wants to be loved and but uh, um, I, it certainly she, it wouldn't have worked out I think Sam was a little rougher than she wanted I mean he was a nice guy but it's it, it, I don't know, wrestling is sort of always comes across to me as kind of sleazy. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'm glad they, I was glad they broke up. But um, she could have, there were jobs available. I mean, she could have worked in an office. She could have worked in a restaurant. Uh, my mother got a job in 53 without any problem at all. That, that we, we seem to put people in the 50s it was it was not it was preferred that women not work all all of husbands were supposed to support their family but jobs were available for women if you worked at it i kind of like the way the book ended when she got the invitation to the to the awards ceremony for the sweetheart and everyone was saying sweetheart why are you getting this invitation and she went out for the run and uh, at the end of the run she said, thought to herself, yeah, I was the sweetheart. That was me. I really did those things. And she came to realize that her life was good now, but she had done something, something special. 
You know, I, I also liked in the beginning of the story where her friend Cynthia took her to that dance. It kind of reminded me of like American Bandstand kind of a dance um, where the, I guess they had TV shows in the 50s where like local TV, TV shows um, – Hairspray, right? The the movie and the play Hairspray, I think it was based on that kind of a thing where they have the local TV shows. And in the beginning, you know, she does this, this like crazy athletic move and that actually is the thing that, that launches her on, on this path. So it was really kind of interesting. And I wondered, what did you all think of the relationship that she had with Cynthia and Cynthia's mother and and the, and Leonie and her father? It was really interesting, like all the interrelationships, I thought, between these two families that I think lived right next door to each other. Uh, first of all, American Bandstand was out of Philadelphia. And she was in, wasn't she in Philadelphia? So that, uh, and, and, and she mentioned American Bandstand. Um, I, I did um, catch that, but... Uh, yeah, I think it was American Bandstand she was on. And I also wanted to mention what Alan said. I can remember watching I've Got a Secret when I was a kid with my parents, and I'm kind of disillusioned to think that that was staged. I knew wrestling was fake, but I didn't think that was fake. I don't believe they called it American Bandstand. I mean, it's obvious that's what it was, but I think they gave it a different name, if I remember correctly. And I, I thought the relationships in, in the book were very interesting, too. And I, I, I wonder how realistic, though, the, the relationship was that she and Cynthia ended up settling down together. I mean, I, I don't know if they just lived together in old age or if, if they lived their whole lives together. Because they were they were kind of different. Well, the show that w- that she was on was called the Bob Horn Show, which to me it just it seemed like an American Bandstand. So I guess she just didn't want to use the name American Bandstand. Um, yeah, her and Cynthia were they were friends when they were little, and they even said that they had hoped that Cynthia's mother and Leonie's father would get together. You know, when they were little, because I guess uh, Cynthia's father was out of the picture and Leonie's mother had died at, at a pretty young age and I kind of felt bad for her you know when she was home with her dad like the two of them would sit I could just picture them like with little tv trays or something like eating and, and watching television and you know I mean he loved her but it wasn't such a wonderful place to be to be around all the time and he wasn't so great at like communicating that that he really loved her and I thought he he kind of warmed up a little bit actually when he lost his job and he ended up getting involved with um with Cynthia and her mother and the son who for some reason they kept calling the turnip which I I didn't quite understand why why that was um but yeah, since, I mean, she she seemed to have settled in. I think it was Nashville or Memphis at the end of the story. So I guess at some point she must have came home. Um, but her and Cynthia, I guess they were like, you know, if you become friends with somebody who lives on your block because you live near each other, and then you get older and maybe you're not, you know, such great friends anymore. I thought the after she left wrestling, the book kind of it's kind of like the author said, okay, I need to wrap this up and. There weren't as many details at the end of the book as I would have liked. Um, I thought the book could have been a little longer at the end because I would have liked to have known how her life with Cynthia was. I didn't think Cynthia was all that well-developed of a character. You just had kind of a sense of what she was like and 
would have been kind of interesting to see. I mean, did they share childcare? You know, what kind of jobs did they each have or did only one of them work? All that kind of stuff would have been interesting to know. Well, Cynthia had a job because um, her mother had a job, and she got a job in the same office. And Cynthia's husband, I guess he had a job too, and that's why Franz ended up babysitting because nobody was home to watch watch the baby. But I had the feeling that um, Leone, if you remember at the end of the story, she actually changed her name again to Lee Kramer. So she went from Leone to Gwen to Lee Kramer. And it was interesting, she kept changing her name all the time, I guess, to when she was trying on different identities. Um, I, I don't know how typical all this was for the 1950s. It reminded me of the image that I have of the 1950s where women have certain roles and men have certain roles. And obviously, you know, there are people who, who you know, don't go along with it, but it just seemed like there were certain expectations, and I thought she did a good job of showing the expectations. And, you know, obviously women like Mimi, you know, went their own way, but still, I was I was very struck, like, when Johnny came with his baby, who wasn't even Mimi's baby, and said, take care of my baby. I thought, wow, that's a lot of nerve, you know, to do that. Well, it would have been nice to know what happened to Lacey, too, since she left her baby. That would have been kind of interesting to know. And I do agree with Mickey. I mean, she also could have, um, Leone could have become a teacher or a nurse. Those were pretty standard um, career opportunities for women, although maybe she didn't want to go to college or anything. Yeah, I mean, I think you could be a teacher or a nurse, but I think in order to be a teacher or a nurse, you have to go to college. And the sense I had was that she didn't really come from enough money maybe to go to college, and maybe she wasn't, like, like I think if she was destined down that path, then she probably would have gone to college right after high school as opposed to becoming a waitress. So if her career is to be a waitress in the diner, I can see how, you know, going to Florida and learning to do this athletic sport would be very enticing. And, and I even like the parts where she learned how to fall, and, and all that kind of stuff. One of the things you asked was if we did anything that was outside of the norm, and you brought it to my attention with learning how to fall. We had to learn how to fall in skydiving. I ended up with 46 jumps, and then I, I couldn't get over the fear, so I quit. Is that uh, um, weird enough? I wouldn't say it was weird, but it definitely counts as something that most people don't push themselves to do. I'm really envious. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and and I find it unusual that you did 46 jumps and uh, but couldn't get over the fear. So what, what got you to the 46? That's what I was wondering. I'm afraid of heights. I, even, if I'm standing on top of a... Uh, a, like one of these high steps, I'm afraid. If I can't put my cane down and reach the ground, if I'm sitting up, you know, one of those high trucks and I can't reach the ground, I get scared. Oh, no, no, no. How did you do it? Well, I certainly wouldn't have done it if I could have looked down. I guarantee. <laughs> but um, people got, the, I watched it and these people came down with such a high, I just wanted a piece of the action. And I, um, I, I had a few uh, reasonably co- close calls. I was radioed down, and I decided I had four kids that needed me more than, you know, and I was an accident waiting to happen, so I stopped. 
Mickey, did you jump in tandem with somebody else, or did you jump on your own and, and pull the, the parachute? I did it myself. I didn't go in tandem. I did go in tandem a couple of times after I had to take some time off because I broke a leg. And, and when I went back, I did one or two tandems, and I said, no, 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 I need control. You're not, you're not going to, you know, if you screw up, I've had it. So I, uh, I went back to jumping free fall. Did somebody, like, give you a gift certificate, or did, you, did the idea just pop into your head? This is fascinating. I, in a million years, I would never, ever want to do this, so I admire that your, your, your ability to do this. I can see how going in tandem might be almost scarier than doing it yourself because of the whole control thing. That kind of makes sense to me. I once was with some friends who were going to jump uh, out of an airplane and parachute down. I went with them. They signed up. Then they had to go to a little school and they had to learn to fold a parachute and, put it, and they had to get ready and to wait for the airplane. And when the airplane came, they got on the airplane and it soared around a little bit up there and they jumped out and parachuted down to the ground. And there they were gathering up their parachute again. And I thought to myself, my God, for this, that little bitty bit of uh, thrill, I don't think spending half the day is worth it. But they never had to take that, that uh, folding um, again. And you, you know your chute is good if you're the one packing it. Um, and you've always got a reserve with you. And, and uh, I didn't ever use my reserve, thank God. But there was one time that they gave me a reserve, and it had a, somebody had had it hit them in the nose, and it had this big bloody spot on it. <laughs> After the jump, they questioned whether it was I. I understand the whole deal about control. Um, I used to uh, work for and also be a student at the Colorado Center for the Blind here in Colorado. Ha-ha. <laughs> Uh, and um, we used to go rock climbing. Oh, I did not like rock climbing. I still do not like rock climbing. But one of the things I did like was there was a difference between repelling and having someone basically belay you down. I loved repelling because I had control of how fast or slow I could let go of the rope or hold the rope. And if, if you know, if I wanted that rope to stay held forever, I could do that. And I loved the control of that. Now, climbing, I didn't quite like that. But repelling, I could do that. Once I got started, it was hard getting started at first because you literally have to go away from the face of the wa- rock and hold one hand behind you, hold one hand in front of you, and, you know, just kind of walk yourself down like you're sitting in a chair walking. And I really like that. But um, I don't think I could ever do skydiving. Yikes! So, Mickey, I'm guessing you must have gotten the rush if you did it 46 times. I, uh, I, I, I don't know. That That's something that just never appealed to me. I, I'm, I'm not even sure I'd ever even do the... The Tower of Terror again at Walt Disney World. That that that, that was a little much for me. But uh, hey, yeah, I guess I'm just a coward. You have a feeling of speed, but you don't have that awful feeling that you get in elevators where your your stomach drops because you are moving at the same speed as the airplane. So you're you're just in the breeze. 
and after a certain amount of time, you pull your canopy, and if all is well, it uh, blossoms, and it kind of jerks you into place, and then it's total quiet. It's just amazing. Hey, Michelle, um, before we, we go or whatever, I really wanted to take the time to say thank you for reading um, that author's note. I, I just wanted to acknowledge that that was, that was cool. Well, thank you very much, Leela. It was I wasn't expecting to get I, I really wasn't expecting to get anything, so I was really surprised. And I, I know many of us here tonight were here last month, so I thought it would be interesting to share. And I guess um, Sherry, if you wanted to introduce our, our book for next month as well, we could do that. I'd just like to thank you, Michelle, also for reading that note. It was absolutely wonderful. It was a very detailed note. I think the author really enjoyed hearing our discussion. That was pretty apparent. So thank you so much for sharing. I I was really very impressed and, and touched by the note. Yes, that 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 was the highlight, uh, I think, of, of, of the meeting. I, I think that that's great. Uh, I, I love to hear uh, from authors like that and... Uh, uh, Thanks for sharing that with us. It makes me want to read the book. Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat get, hearing from the author. I'm surprised that you wrote to the author. I never thought to do that because I never thought they would even respond. They probably get a lot of mail, and what would they care about my my little mail? But that was pretty good. And she listened to our recording. That was really, really neat. Thanks for doing that. Are you guys going to have any other authors come like? you did last year and the year before i think you did anyway because those are fun i mean it's really cool to get their perspective and um you know them to get ours it's really fun when you guys do that yeah we've talked about it but those are a lot of work and we have to get somebody to do the um monitoring back and forth between the phone and the room and stuff like that so we've both just gotten kind of complacent and stuck with books but yeah we might do that again um the book for next time we're going to go with a classic which i hope won't scare everybody off it's by edith wharton it's called the custom of the country and the db number is let me get it here db three zero eight two zero three zero eight two zero i put it up in the chat window if you hit f9 you should be able to read it Custom of the Country by Edith Wharton, DB30820. Um, according to the little intro, this was Edith Wharton's favorite book of the one she wrote. And it has her typical themes, um, a social climber um, and how selfish and, and airheaded and narcissistic she is and all of New York society around her and, and things that go on with that. I've read the book a long time ago, so I'm going to reread it, but I remember really liking it. So hopefully you guys will too. Yeah, she has a really good villain in this book. Um, and if you're familiar with Edith Wharton, she wrote The House of Mirth in 1905, and then she wrote The Age of Innocence in 1920 or 1921, and The Custom of the Country came out in 1913. So it's like between The House of Mirth and The Age of Innocence. So I've never read it. It'll be interesting to see you know, if it's more like The House of Mirth or if it's more like The Age of Innocence. And, and thank you, Leela, for mentioning authors. Um, you know, it's something that Sherry and I can talk about, um, you know, 
it, it, the, the hardest thing about the authors is getting uh, someone to engineer it. That's that's the hardest part of the whole thing because we have to get somebody, a volunteer engineer, to come and go back and forth between the phone and the computer room. So uh, I have absolutely no computer skills. I can't do it. <laughs> so that's that's really a hard thing about it. But I think, and, and also Ladon, I think authors are really receptive to if you write to them. Um, I've written to a whole bunch of authors, and they do write back. I think if you if you you know ask them a question, or if you you know seem like I don't know. You were you really like their work or something like that? You know, if you just write to them and say I liked your book, I wouldn't expect a response. But if you wrote them, you know, a paragraph or two and asked a question or two, I think you'll be surprised. A lot of authors have websites, and it's pretty easy to find their their address to write to them if you want to. I just want to say I do understand about the work that goes into it. So if you guys didn't, I would totally understand. Um, Did we read a book about Edith Wharton? And it was a good one, too. I can't remember the name of the name of it. How long is this book? Do you know? I don't know how long it is. I was going to say, I remember we, we read a book where Edith Wharton was the subject of the book, it seems like. But uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because I've never read any Edith Wharton. So, uh, And also, for those that were curious, it should be March 3rd would be the first Thursday of March, if I, if I checked the calendar correctly. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, Alan. I meant to put the date up there, too. Um, yeah, we read a book by someone else that was about Edith Wharton, um, sort of a biography, historical fiction-type book. Um, the book is 15-something hours long. It must be cl- um, between 1530 and 16, because I wrote down 16, but I remember it wasn't quite that. Yeah, if, if you remember, it was probably about two years ago. We had author Jenny Fields. Um, she wrote a historical fiction book called The Age of Desire, which was about Edith Wharton's life um, right around the time she wrote The House of Mirth um, when she was involved with uh, Morton Fullerton, I think, was the, the man, the not wonderful man that she was involved with. So we did read that book here um, for this group. And actually, Jenny Fields actually came in and spoke to us about it. And um, The Custom of the Country, yeah, I think it's about 15 hours. I mean, you know, most of these, I mean, some of her books are really short, like Ethan Frome, but most of them, I read, recently read The Age of Innocence again um, for a different book group. And it was also, I think, about 14 hours. So I think that's kind of standard for most of her books. I think you'll find that even though these are classics, her writing style is is quite accessible. She's, I don't know if everybody's read something by her or not, but she's quite readable. And she might be a tad even soap opera-ish, but there's usually a lot going on in her books and a lot of characters to love and hate. Yeah, you know, I have a really, like, conflicted relationship with Edith Wharton. I, I often go to book groups where people love, love, love her, and I like her. But I find the world that she portrays, sometimes it seems very insular and claustrophobic. So it would be really interesting to see. This one, I've never read The Custom of the Country. And I think it's her her best villain, heroine, whatever you want to call it, who does all kinds of things. so it'll be interesting to you know to to see this, but I, I'm really interested to see what people think of either Wharton because I went to a group very recently where we discussed the Age of Innocence. Some people love her, other people you know felt like she's 
you know, the world that she portrays is, is not a world that, that is you want to spend that much time with. So I think it'll be a good discussion. I had to read The Age of Innocence in college, and I swore I would never read another Edith Wharton book. But I'll do it. I loved Ethan Frome when I read it in high school, but I've never really been able to get into any of her other books. Yeah, Ethan Frome is definitely among my favorites of hers, too. Well, I just want to thank everybody for coming and for talking about the book. And um, I hopefully will see all of you again on Thursday, March 3rd. So um, thanks so much, and, and good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Thank you, Michelle and Sherry. Yep, good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. It was a good discussion. Good night, everybody. Thanks for the